honestly. Yeah, it's been it's been a long winter, so isn't it's nice to have some sunshine and not be snowed on. At one point, you guys were on track for like the third snowiest winter in the history of Cass. I think we're I think we had the snowiest winter in history. Really? Don't don't I, quote me. But well, I'm that last storm confident. dropped I'm like thirty inches. Saying, yeah, but we had shoot we had half a dozen storms that dropped more than sixteen inches. You know. Wow. A couple that dropped more than twenty, so it had to have been the record. That's crazy. I might have to fact. I might have to fact check that. But. Yeah, you might have to get on that. But uh, that is a lot of snow. So you guys are finally out. You got some green grass growing. Got some green grass, having some rain. You know, it's just normal spring stuff, but all good things. I'm what about you? What do you guys got going snowy, on? Snowiest winter. Mm-hmm. One in, in 1982-1983, it snowed. 151 inches. Hmm. Uh, and let's see. What's your source? The Cowboy State Daily. I don't know. Uh, let's see. Casper has seen 131 inches. So I think you guys ended up not just, quite being snowiest. I really want to say this is a record. I'm a little bummed that it's not. I thought I yeah. it was a little bit of a consolation to say that we survived the snowiest winter on record. Nope. 1982-83's got you beat, bud. Barely. Barely. That is crazy. All right. Uh, so you made it through winter. We haven't done this for a little while. So I know, man. I'm, back on. Yeah, I'm glad to be back on. We uh yeah. we, we took too long of a hiatus recording. We shouldn't do that. Yeah, we but. did. Hey, you just sent me a video uh this evening of my nephew hitting some balls in the net. Uh and you have a Saturday is our for the boys uh flag, and I'm just curious why. Because Saturdays are for the boys. I that saying drives me nuts. Oh man. Like good nuts, like nope. excited nuts, huh? Well, no, nope. like preppy college frat boy want to punch him in the throat nuts. I mean, there's some guys with punchable faces that that hang their hat on that slogan, but yep. There's also me. That's, well, that's true. I don't want to throw a punch you, so that's good. Listen, Saturdays are for the boys. I uh, I saw that and I was like, what I'm is not, he doing? I'm not taking it down either. You know who likes it? You. Kate. Kate. No, she doesn't. This I'm is not, a lie. I, I wouldn't make this up. You would. No. No, I wouldn't, dude. She, I, she don't, actually... I don't believe this for a millisecond. She freaking likes it, dude. Well, I'm lucky that she doesn't have it hanging in the bedroom. I'm just kidding. That's actually um, not true. But the okay. fact that... The fact that that uh, I gotta have. It. Hey, listen, in uh, just real quick before we get kicked off on conversation, you'll be happy to hear that I've been out a couple times uh, shooting in the 80s consistently, yeah. um, which is the first time I've done that. So I feel I've got three three rounds in the 80s so far this year. So that's awesome. Um, that's, that's awesome. Exciting. That's, that's exciting for like me. 10, 10 to 12, probably handicap. If I keep it going, I think I 
so after we went to stream song that kind of wrecked me I, I it pushed me up to like an 18 and i've got it back down in the in the 15 range i think 15 is right that's a good spot yep. to be yep no i mean it's not wow. like for me it's it's like uh, are you above 85 good. are you between 85 and 90 yes okay i think yeah, that's I've, I've shot uh, i think i've shot two 86s and an 88 yeah that's that's so. totally fine that's I'm good pretty, golf i'm pretty all right with it i would like to by the end of the summer get down below 85 a few times that would yeah. be good for me but yeah that's that's a good goal that is a great goal actually there's lots of room for improvement on that but it's like i can get around i can get around well on this. and the thing is is i think i could pretty easily get down below 85 with just a, a couple more made putts you know but. yeah yeah usually it's uh it's made putts and and up and downs those are yeah. that's what you really need to focus on to, to shave off another five six strokes, and then it becomes sure. more mental than anything else, which sucks because um, yeah the the mind just sucks. Yeah, I think that's what I've really enjoyed the most about golf though is the understanding kind of or or trying to conquer the mental aspect of it more than anything, right? And yeah, like I, I think I told you before, I feel like. Uh, um, I feel like God kind of turned me on to golf with the purpose of slowing me down, like forcing me, like giving me a hobby that forces me to slow down or I'm just not going to be good at it. You know, it's been helpful to me. I need it. It definitely will slow you down. It makes you question life. That's what mm -hmm. it really does. Yep. yep. That's what it really does. But, uh, well, good. Good. Well, let's uh, let's dive in. I love the topic that you picked for tonight. So tonight is uh, best and worst leadership advice. Boom. So let's start with you. Oof. Give me the the best. The best. You actually, you tell me. What do you want to start with? Best or worst? Oh, uh, I'm good with starting with best. You want me to kick okay, it give off? Give me, give yeah. me, give me your best. This, this is um. So I was thinking about this, and it's not just going to be like a clean quote of like, hey, somebody told me this once, but there's this nah, mine, concept. Mine What's that? My, mine aren't either. They're not clean, oh, gotcha. clean quotes, just concepts. Yeah. <clears throat> so like the, the concept that, that I really grasped onto that, that's really been the most helpful for me in leadership is the, the concept of, of being authentically you and not trying to please everyone. And I think, you know, when I, when I first stepped in as a, uh, into a leadership role, um, you know, I, it was, it was very obvious that people were going to point, it didn't matter what decision that you made, they were going to, um, they were going to figure out a way to say like, you, you did something wrong. And so it just became really important to me. Um, and I just saw the value in being authentically me all the time, no matter what. And so I like to say, Hey, I'm the, you know, I'm the same person on Monday morning as I am on Friday night, as I am on Sunday, as I am on Wednesday, like it doesn't matter. You're, you're going to run to me and it's just going to be the same, same person. But then that's also expanded. Like through COVID we did layoffs and, you know, layoffs are hard to do. And then we had to do them remote. And, uh, and through that whole process you know i just i clung to this hey i'm just going to continue to be me i mean obviously didn't make these people happy at all and um 
and I just continued to to do what I felt was the right thing for these people. And and I think I actually um, gained more respect from the people that I was that I laid off through that process than I even did when they were part of my team. And just by you know sticking with them and helping them through questions making sure they had the proper support, following up with them months later. Hey, how are you doing? What's new? What's going on? Right. And so it's just like, and and this is not contrived or forced. That was just, I cared. Right. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you just, it, the more that you be you, uh, the better the results are. So that that's really the, the best advice that I ever gotten. And really where it came from was uh, drilling. Um, when I started doing drilling mm-hmm. operations, those are, that's hard and you're making fast decisions. Um, and you're making decisions often at two o'clock in the morning, for whatever reason, you're, you're having to make a decision in the middle of the night. And so you don't have a lot of lifelines to use, right? It's not like you can call a bunch of people and be like, Hey, what would you do in this situation? You just got to go. And then the next morning you got to answer the bell, right? Because people are going to be like, why would you do this? You spent all this money. You made the wrong decision. Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, Hey, I believe in what we just did. And I'm, I know I'm not going to make you happy, but I did the right thing here and I'm going to trust that it's going to go through it. The one caveat that I have to add, uh, and then I'll, I'll let you jump in is that, uh, the, the one caveat is that's not permission to be an asshole. So being authentic and, and being you and don't not caring what other people think, that's not permission to just go burn the whole freaking place down and be like, oh, I don't freaking care what you think. That's that's not what that advice has been for me. Um, it's it's being aware of what people need and 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 you've got to you got to sometimes steer yourself this way to help this person and then steer yourself this way to help that person and stay authentic through that. So it's, it's a, it, it's an onion of advice. Mm-hmm. You know, you peel back layers, but, but that's been the, the best advice. And I've just come back to that so many times. I've got a couple thoughts on that, man. And, and uh, I want to, I want to start with the, you, you brought up, it's not an excuse to be an asshole. And uh, I, I like that. I have never subscribed to the the whole, well, I'm a dick or I'm a bitch. And the sooner that you get to understand that, the better we can get along or whatever that is. Right. Um, you know, listen, if, if, if you're a person who doesn't get along with people, um, don't lead, don't pursue that. That's not, you know, it, it's just not, that's not going to work. Right. Those are conflicting, conflicting ideas. Um, but so uh, one thing that I, I really like about what you said in terms of being authentic and, and a lot of what was ringing in my mind when you talked about that was we we have talked a lot about the statement before. There's a difference between doing the right thing and doing things the right way. And I think a lot of times that comes down to, to um, authenticity just just based on the fact that the the standard that you set for, you know, what 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 determines the right thing or the right way. Right. Um, yep. a lot of times your, your heart and, and, um, you know, your, your values and your morals will, will help you determine what the right way to handle a situation is. Um, and sometimes it's easy to ignore that and go by the book or what you think you should do versus what you feel you should do. Yeah. It's hard to, that's, that, that's hard to navigate. Yeah. On the right things, right, right. Or things, right thing, um, concept I've always, thought about it like this, like there are, there's a right way to do something. And then there's the, the thing 
there's doing things the right way. When you're doing things the right way, you're you're usually doing it to someone else's request, standard, uh, or whatever you want to say. When you're doing the right thing, you you are doing what is specifically right in that situation. And it's really tough to do because it takes courage, and you're often doing it in the face of what someone else is expecting you to do right that's yeah. the the right thing or, or the things the right way kind of a deal it's like it's a really thin line and it, it throws people off when you say it you know hey i want to do the right thing not do things right um, mm-hmm. so yeah no i'm with you on that well and depending on what what situation you're in sometimes you you are are in a lot of ways forced to go by the book or do things quote unquote the right way um and those are tough decisions to make, right? Like as a, as a leader, you know, you get put in those types of situations often, I would say, where you're kind of in a battle between, you know, do I, do I do what the book says or do what my gut's telling me? And even though I know that, that there could be some consequences for that. All right. Give me your, uh, give me your top best advice. So my, my best advice and I, I thought a lot about this and it's, it's also, like you said, not a quote or, or something clean like that, but, but more just a concept. And, and it came from a manager that I had um, after I, I wouldn't say I failed to have a, a critical conversation, but I, I, I did, I, I didn't approach it the way I needed to. And the outcome wasn't what we wanted. Right. Um, and he just simply told me, he said, Hey man, you know, it, it's important that you understand that, that not every time you have a conversation with somebody they they don't need to leave happy or um Ooh, that's good you know, feel, feeling good right it, it it is okay to leave somebody feeling bad right and and that's tough to to process because um you know there, there's a lot of leadership material out there most of it is is people-centric and and kind of guiding you to to be mindful of people and feelings and and stuff and and that, you know, I'm not saying not to be that way at all, but I think we have the tendency to misconstrue that to, yeah. to mean that we can't say, we can't speak the truth to somebody, right? Um, and and sometimes the, the truth is, is harsh and, and the difference between a, a, a good leader and a really, a really great leader is, is they have the courage to say something that might hurt somebody. Um, and they also have built the leadership capital previously to be yeah. able to have that conversation, you know, yeah. um, but just that whole concept of, of understanding like, Hey, you don't have to do the old compliment, negative thing, compliment sandwich every time. Right. right? Like right. It, it's yeah. okay to have a, have a, a tough conversation and walk away and let it marinate. Um, and that, that has really benefited me in a lot of ways. And, and it's, I mean, it's obvious, obviously stuck with me. It was a conversation that I, I thought was kind of inconsequential at the time. Um, and it, it uh, has, has been huge for me in a lot of ways since then. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Um, that's, I like that a lot. The one thing that, that I think about a lot in that, in that vein, in that concept is just, you, you do need to know what you're saying, right? Like you, you do need to, there's the leadership capital part of it, which I, a hundred percent agree with you got to have some relational capital and you're going to spend some in those moments, Mm -hmm. but you also need to know what you're talking about. You can't just walk into a situation. You know what I mean? Like otherwise not only are you wasting that capital, but 
they're not just leaving hurt. They they don't trust you, right? They they don't actually believe that you know what you're saying at all. So those that's a hard part because sometimes you know you feel like, hey, this is the way this needs to go, and you're just wrong. And and uh, man, I've I've been in that situation before, and you it sucks. Well, and there's a lot of times too. You try to try to end on a raw raw note and leave somebody feeling good, and you just look silly anyways because. If yeah. you if you had a, a tough conversation and then you tried to end it on a high note, um, it's you didn't, right? You just <laughs> you didn't. Yeah, that's another good point. Awkward. Yeah, it's it, probably it, better yeah. to just to just land the plane, to just yeah. say, hey, this yep. this didn't go how we want it to. Well, yep. let's move on. Yep. That's a and tough you know, one for me. I'm not good at that. Yep. And and a lot of things t- times, man, like you can't lead into it either. Like it, it's good to just, if you, if you've got to have a conversation and you know, it's going to sting a little, you've got to just go into it and, and not lead with fluff or feel good. And then go into it. In my experience, it's always been better to the approach that I like to take is, is somewhat of, Hey, I've noticed something that is prohibiting you in this way or that that's prohibiting um, I'd like to talk to you about it. Do you have a second or can we carve out some time later? Right. And kind of prepare them that way. And, uh, you know, if they have a second, then we dive into it. If they don't, then they'll make some time and, and, and we just, we dive into it and it kind of just lets them know up front, like, Hey, we got some stuff to talk about. Um, going to sting a little bit, but, it, but, you know, we'll, we'll be all right. You know, and I, I'd, I'd read somewhere, this has been years ago that, uh, a good way to start that would off would be to say, Hey, are you, um, let me see. It's, I think it's, are you open? Are you open to some feedback? Yeah. Yep. And then go from there. Yep. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah. Yep. Um, so I think, I think that would be what I would, what I would I like call that. my, my best advice to date. It's probably, it's probably what I lean on the most. So. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. Um, for sure. So, and those are, I mean, that's, it's, what's funny is what we've just said is all, um, it's, it's kind of funny because it's commonplace. I mean, there's nothing special about it. I think this is really why leadership is so hard is because some (laughs) of the concepts are actually really simple. I can't tell you how many books I've read that it's like, oh yeah, that, that's an easy principle, but then you go to actually apply it and it's like that really, really tough. Yeah, uh, and both the things we just talked about are really tough to actually apply. Oh, they they absolutely suck to apply, yeah. right? <laughs> like yeah. I mean, but 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 they are absolutely necessary if right. you're going to lead well. You yeah, know? being authentic, being you, having mm-hmm. crucial conversations, critical conversations, both really really yeah, hard hard yeah. things. So, um okay, you ready for my bad bad advice? Yeah, yeah, I'm curious. This, what, what you got? This is a little bit of a, a contrarian take, um, not on purpose, not because that's what I like to do, but just uh, I get told a ton, and, th- and this has happened over and over through my career as a leader. Um, you know, sometimes you just got to dive in. You just got to get into the details. You just got to get on, you know, get down on the battlefield and, and all <laughs> this. Uh, and And I... I, and this just happened even just recently, I had a guy and he was like, you know, yeah, that's all good. Sometimes you just got to get out there and see it for yourself. Right. And I kind of took this concept and, and against what was my better judgment, I, I went 
you know, out onto the battlefield. And I just quickly realized, and, and this is not meant to sound arrogant, but a, a general doesn't belong on the battlefield. The general is, is conducting strategy and is saying, hey, this is how we're going to process this. This is how we're going to move. This is how we're going to attack. And he lets the, the soldiers that are trained in that actually make the attack. And very, very rarely do you see that, that leader that's supposed to be really calling that, that forward-looking shot out there shooting a gun, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and what's funny is, is that in industry and in work, you actually see it a lot it happens a lot. Um, they, they come in and they, you know, they get down in the weeds and I'm dealing with this on, on a project right now where this guy is just, he's deep in it. And what's happening is he's trying to call shots and I was trying to call shots and I didn't have all the information or I didn't have the best information. And, uh, you know, Craig Rochelle, I think, is the first one I heard talk about this. He's not the last one, but he talked about pushing decision making as deep into an organization as possible. And um, I'm just reminded of that all the time. So I I know that most people are going to, you know, stiffen up at this. But um, I believe as a leader, I have no business getting out on the battlefield and shooting a gun. I'm, I'm there trying to figure out what the best weapon for our, our team to use is, how we're going to use it, how we're going to attack, when we're going to attack, what direction we're going to attack from. That's, uh, that's where my skills are best used. And I need to get out of the battlefield. Um, and, you know, I don't care every time I've swooped down and, and tried to, you know, dive bomb in on something like this and get into the details. It has blown up in my face every time. Yeah. No, I, you know, it's funny, Joel, as I think we're about to say the same thing, just worded differently, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say my, the worst advice I've ever been given. Yeah, do it. Um, And it was that micromanagement is sometimes necessary. And I have learned that micromanagement is never necessary, but, but sometimes more teaching and there, there's a difference there, right? Because when you micromanage somebody, you are doing their job for them. And you are basically telling them that they're not capable. So let me do it. And I'll, you know, when as, as a leader, it's important that you recognize where you have weaknesses or vulnerabilities in your, in your structure, but then you view that as a teaching opportunity and you step in enough to, to learn and grow but you don't get so involved that you can't step back out of it and then let them run their, yeah. their shit. Yeah, that's so true. You know, a couple of things popped in my head. One of them is um, on the micromanaging piece, you, you know, when you go in and you come over the top of someone and I've watched this happen, uh, even with close friends, they'll, they'll come, they'll dive in, they'll do the work. Right. And they'll, and then the, they're pissed because the next time they need that done, that position, that that person doesn't do anything. And then they then they view it as in, incapable, like this person's incompetent. And it's like, no, 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 no. People are – they are capable of far more than we think they are as leaders, but you have to let them do it. And and sometimes that means let them fail, let them stub their toe, but you got to let them do it because if you micromanage, they won't do it the next time. Um, 
and they'll just assume you're going to jump in and do it again. Uh, and that's, that is so frustrating. Yeah. I think there's no quicker way to lose, lose leadership capital than to, to swoop in and, and do something like that. And, and to essentially you are, you are taking power away from, from, uh, your people, which in the end only hurts you because yeah. the more that you scoop up and put on your plate, you know, you can feel really good about all you're doing and, and how good that looks. But in the end, um, you know, you, you're only going to be as, as strong as you can be, right. Versus leveraging yeah. your, your team. And, and so, you know, like, like I said, I mean, I think, and when that advice was given to me, given to me, I, I understand where it was coming from. And, and like I said, I think, I think you can reword that to, to say like, Hey, I don't agree that, that micromanagement is necessary. I agree that we need to take this person and teach them better. Cause if they, if they yeah. understood our perspective or grasp this better, we, we would be a lot better off. Right. And that's where you yeah. need to step in and exert your energy. Um, rather than doing the job for them, your energy should, should be spent showing them how to do it better or, or, you know, having those conversations about the, you know, what you're seeing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll tell you what this, there is a caveat there though, that, that we, we got to address. You can't sometimes you, you can't just always teach. There, there are times when uh, you've taught it too much and that person's just not getting it. And then you have to analyze, Hey, either I've got them in the wrong seat on the bus or they don't belong on the bus. That, and that's, that's the tough part of it is, yeah, I think there's times when, hey, you got to say, well, these, this one, I'm not going to jump in and do this for you. It turns out I need to teach you a process or maybe you don't understand it. But but there are times too, man, where you have to just go, hey, I've taught you this three times. I've asked you the same thing three times. You know, it's mm -hmm. funny, like right now, uh, just kind of a small thing. And it, I, I was actually, it's funny in micromanaging, I, I had somebody say I was a micromanager once, which was really funny. And it and what he was mad about is that I was really particular about some really minor details. Um, mm -hmm. And he called it micromanaging. And, and my perspective was, hey, I, I want to pay attention to these small details, because if we can get the small details right, the other stuff just falls into play. Like, yeah. we don't have to worry about the big stuff because we've, we've done the, the little things, the building block things really well. Well, what's interesting is um, here recently... I, I kind of had to come apart on my field team because uh, we we could not figure out how to turn in receipts on time. And so, you know, they've got a really simple job. If they if they purchase gas with a company credit card um, or if they get a meal for their team or they buy a tool, I, we need the receipt. That's that's this is not rocket science. Right. It's a small thing. And I finally just had to say, hey, guys, if we can't trust you to turn a receipt in. Right how can I trust you with people from our company? How can I trust you with, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in projects? I can't even freaking count on you to turn in a receipt. And, uh, and, and it's that same concept of like, Hey, I, I want to focus on the real small details because if we can get the small things, right, it's just, it, it swells. Right. And you, you build momentum. I think you build momentum that way. Um, yep. But it's funny because some people will be like, you're a micromanager. Like, who cares about a couple missing receipts? And it's like, no, 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 not a micromanager. I just have an expectation that we're going to do these these simple things really well. 
I had another one on the shop team, you know, we had windows rolled down and I, I think I, you know, this, but like we got six inches of rain in like a span of seven days here mm-hmm. about 10 days ago, a lot yeah. of rain. And we had windows down and on vehicles. And I just, I was, I came apart again. I'm like, does, do we, do windows not roll up around here? Like, is that, is that something that I need to be aware of? Because I don't understand how we can't, figure out how to roll up a window. Um, and it's such a simple little thing. And it's like, Oh, who cares? It like, you know, got a little wet in the truck. We just let it dry out. And it's like, no, it like, then, then that asset doesn't last as long. Cause you've, you've like almost on purpose ruined it. And it's like, Oh, who cares? It's such a small thing. It's like, yeah, it's a small thing. But like, if you can't freaking roll a window up, how am I going to trust you to repair a $20,000 transmission in a, you know, $400,000 machine? Like mm-hmm. I, I can't trust you to freaking roll a window up on a pickup truck. I, how do I, these things don't compute, you know? Um, yep. Sorry. I ranted a little bit there on micromanagement, but, but, but all, um, good, all good things. And I've got, I've got something to kind of, you know, I'm we're, we might shift away from our initial topic here, but this will be, I think this will all be good conversation. I, I think that that it, it is so important for someone in a leadership role to give their team some insight into what they expect. And, and not only that, but like their, their personality, right? Like um, I think your team is probably learning a lot about you and your expectations just through these things. Right. But um and I'm not saying that that you necessarily did anything incorrect. This is completely hindsight. But like, do you think it might have been any different if if like there was a way up front that you were like, hey, you know, I I care very big about small details, and and it might appear that it's it's insignificant, but let me tell you why it's significant, right? And let me tell you why I care so much. Or even like I've seen, I've, I've, I have actually worked for a supervisor that provided me with a disc assessment, his disc assessment, the day that, that I moved under into his reporting structure and was like, Hey, just so you know, like, this is me. Um, this is how I operate. So like, you know, I might, I might come off this way, but this is why. Right. And it was like that, that kind of stuff. I think it's overlooked by leaders a lot of times. Yeah. In terms of how important it is for their team to understand, like, hey, this is where I'm coming from, right? Like, like rolling up the window seems like small potatoes to you, but it's not to me. So uh, understand that, right? Like li- little things are big to me because that, you know, what we do well in small things translates to how we handle big things, you know, and just get that out up front. Um Versus yeah. versus having versus having to have them learn it through making those mistakes. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, yeah, I, I like that. And actually, funny, like the disc assessment. We have all of our leaders do a disc assessment, and I I've actually so thought good. about mapping them all, and and I've mapped like our senior leadership team, and it is kind of interesting just to see. It's interesting to see where everybody kind of sits on that. But what's funny is is like it's one thing to hand a a disc assessment, a piece of paper to somebody and say, Hey, this is how I lead. And this is what matters to me. I think you need some windows to be left rolled down and, you know, and some receipts to not be turned in for people to truly understand. Like you need those. Cause I, I can tell you all day, Hey, I care about the small things. And then people are like, Oh, what are the small things? Right. This is what Um, I meant. Yeah. Now, now, you know, 
right now yeah. now you're getting an idea because i did i mean that i wasn't i didn't hide any of that i um you know i i was pretty upfront about how i prefer to lead and what i what i want to see and what i want to do but you know until you get into some of these situations who knows now they know yeah. and uh, and i think that's that's pretty interesting but it is funny um i agree with you that micromanaging is never needed it's never no, required. No, there's I, not a I've place never for understood it. that. There's not a place for it. And if you and and just to, to echo something that you had said earlier, if you have to micromanage somebody, then you need to start trying to figure out why. Are they in the wrong spot? Yep. Are they, you know, and, and employees. Hey, I'm gonna say it. this on that, Caleb. I I think if you're micromanaging and you that's a more of a you issue. I, I have rarely seen a need to jump in and do a job for someone else. Yeah. Well, and it's an ego issue, right? Yes. What it boils down to. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that. that. 100%. I, I just, I think if you're constantly micromanaging, I think the first thing you need to do is, is take a step back yourself and go, Hey, I, I need to see if this person can actually do their job. Because yep. most times when you're stepping over them and doing their job, it's because you think that you need to do the job and you need to do that for some value that you get out of it. And it has nothing to do with that person's abilities or competence. Yeah. And the other thing too, like in the approach that I, I tend to take with a lot of things is do, do you understand the objective? Good. Then how you get there is up to you. Yep. I'm I'm not going to tell you how to get there as long as as long as you understand where we need to go and have a plan to get there. What that plan looks like is up to you. And most I times I find that I learn a lot about um the the people in my reporting structure. I learn a ton about them when I turn them loose that way. Um you know and and you you get to understand who's capable of what. Yep. When you do it that way, right? And you know, I, I talk about sometimes you do that, and people you, you kind of go, okay, never mind. You need yep. you need more help than that, right? Yeah. But then other times you'll turn somebody loose, and you'll be like, damn, like I I didn't I didn't know you had that in you, but I didn't even I think do. about a comp. Yeah, I didn't yeah. even think about going going that route, and you know, it allows them. I talk about this a lot with with people, but I'm like, hey, a leader's role is is to provide a direction and guardrails, and then to get out of the way. And to yeah, make yeah. sure you can remove any hurdles that do come up in front of them, but give them what the left boundary and the right boundary is, right? Like, hey, what is out of bounds in this project or in this mission? And then get out of the way. And yeah. I think it, I think the best leaders that I know do that really well. They don't well, – they and do that's, not say this is exact – what? Oh, I was just going to say that's super important too. It's something that, that I forgot to mention is guardrails. I'm glad you threw that in there because – you yep. do have to set some guardrails there. You can't, you know, just. But if you, but if you just let them know, hey, this is out of bounds and this is out of bounds, I mean, and they can bounce all the way in between that, and you're not going to get in their way. Mm -hmm. It allows them to attack a problem. I mean, like you give them a problem and say, I need a solution to this, and you give them some guardrails, and all of a sudden they start attacking a problem from a direction that you never expected or thought about. And and I think it's easy for leaders to be like, hey here's my problem. Here's the solution I want. And here's how I want you to get to that solution. And then they're like annoyed because people aren't 
innovative and and you know they're not coming up with new things like well you've taken away all their ability to innovate you've given them not only the the direction and the end result but you've given them the path to walk it it's uh it's tough so yeah well um, i agree with you there i think as a leader too you have to understand like what do you value do you value results or do you value more of a long-term process and perfecting the process or you know what, what do you value because if you value results and that's what that's all that matters to you um you are going to damage some relationships along the way and you're gonna you're gonna um you know eventually it'll all crash down around you but you'll have some very productive uh experience as a leader i'm sure right but yeah. you know if 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 result is all, all you value eventually that's going to, that's going to come to an end. Whereas, you know, if you value, if you value, you know, growing a team or, or have a long-term vision and, and you have the process in mind, um, you know, you'll, you'll be more willing to step back and allow more leniency for, you know, people to fail and learn and, and, you know, for the results to not always be perfect, as long as we grow, you know, make mistakes once, just don't make them again. Right. Like, um, and, and those kinds of mentalities is uh, I think it's super important and it, it's difficult because as a leader, a lot of times you get this, um, you know, screw it. I'll just do it myself kind of mentality. Uh, yeah. And, and start kind of commandeering projects and just making sure they're done to your standard before, you know, over anything. And yeah, uh, it, 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 it gets damaging. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I we're gonna get down a rabbit hole, so we need to I think this yeah. needs to be our next our next topic is just talking about this um how do you get results? What what do results look like? What like what is success as a leader? Um well, I, I recently saw this. This is gonna be the last thing. I recently saw this Adam Adam Wainwright mic'd up. And he just talked about how he's done like the same process since he was a little leaguer. He just does the same thing. I mean, this guy's been in major leagues for probably 20 years Um, pitching. He's been a great pitcher for most of it, like a a good, reliable pitcher. And he just talks about, hey, I just I just fell in love with the process. I never fell in love with the results. And I think that is so key to leadership in general is is fall in love with the process of developing people, of steering and guiding and bouncing off boundaries and going, okay, Hey, I didn't do that very well. So now I'm going to guide this way a little bit. But if, if you as a leader are only, you only care about the result, how many strikeouts you have, how many, you know, what your ERA is, how many Cy Youngs you win, you're never going to actually accomplish anything because you get so wound up on accomplishing a result. And, and I've seen that in leaders around me at different times where I'm like, you're, you're not, you don't even care about the people that you're dealing with. You don't even care about the problem and actually how it's getting solved or if it's getting solved, you only care about that end result. And, um, and that has been catastrophic. I've seen that blow up in, in your face a lot. So we need, we need to spend more time talking about that. I think. Yep. Yeah. We can, we can definitely uh, go down that rabbit hole on another episode for sure. Cool. All right. Do you got any final thoughts? Um, not final thoughts, but I do have one shout out. I had an old Whoa. supervisor of mine, an old supervisor of mine, Taylor Johnson. He hit me up and was like, Hey, I listened to your podcast and you guys haven't recorded in a while. You're doing what? a good job. And I was like, well, 
now we probably Taylor. better get going because we have one listener. So um, we have at least at least one listener, which is one. One listener I makes expect, it worth it. So. As soon as you know you've got one listener, it's all worth it. Yep. Yep. So. Taylor, this one's for you, bud. Shout out. That's that's so awesome. He, and and um, chances are he probably shut this episode off halfway through it and uh, didn't get to hear the shout out. But that's why I saved it to the end because. We have if no charity here, all the okay? way through. Yeah, we're not just it giving it through, out. That's your reward. Yeah, we're not just giving it out. Okay. All right, buddy. Hey, great talk. Uh, I love this yep. stuff. Um, keep keep doing your thing, uh, and uh, let's let's get back on this this horse. Yep. Let's put the saddle back yep. on. Yep. Let's do it, man. We'll uh, right. we'll do one again here real soon. All right. Sounds good. Okay.